Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Hi, I'm your host, Corey Barry, your business and sales coach for home service businesses and number one best-selling author of Nine Simple Steps to Sell More Shit. You can find my book on Amazon.com by searching my name, C-O-R-E-Y-B-E-R-R-I-E-R. For owners that provide home service home services with customer service teams who are dissatisfied with their current performance, my CSR and Technician Accelerator will dramatically increase your booking rate and your technician's close rate, which leads to a higher ticket average using my proprietary process. For details, you can go to coreybarrier.com or you can email me directly at c-o-r-e-y at c-o-r-e-y-b-e-r-r-i-e-r.com. Thank you to all of our military and the men and women in the trades. Would you be against leaving a review for me on Apple or Spotify? If you haven't left a review, I'm talking to you. Today's episode is a banger with Shreya. She talks about being a drug addict, her dad planning her funeral, being a woman in the trades, and we dive into some of her favorite processes. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Shreya. I mess everybody's name up, Shreya, but I actually think I said your first name right. You did. Congratulations. <laughs> Dude, I usually mess up, like, Bob's name. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But anyway... Dude, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm super glad to get into this conversation with you. But first, Shreya, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, whatever you would like to tell them about you, and take it away. Awesome. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Corey, and inviting me on the show. A little bit about me is I work with Joe Crisera at Service MVP. I was in HVAC as a comfort advisor, and he trained me in the field. And I fell in love with HVAC and operations and processes. So he, I started working with him. And now I help companies all around America, Hawaii, Canada, Australia find solutions to implement processes at their business to reach their goals and completely change the culture of their company. And it's very rewarding for me. And it is my dream job. So it's a little bit about me. It's awesome. Yeah. So, also, I need, and I don't want to steer the conversation too far, but I do want to congratulate you on being eight years sober. It's a super Thank big you. deal. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. So, you mentioned that you, I assume, you, obviously, you travel a lot as as well. 
well as work with people all over the place. You've traveled all around, you implement processes. What would you say is favorite thing that you implement as far as your processes and your systems go? With processes and systems, I would say, I would say the basics of, you'd think that most companies, they were, there would be some sort of sales process with the technicians or the maintenance techs. There's usually none at all. It's more, you know, there's no communications training there. You have no idea what they're doing. They're just free ranging it. So it's the classic benchmark in home sales process that Joe does because the main parts of it is one thing called magic moments. I don't know if you've heard of that, <laughs> but it's uh, building the client's self-esteem in a sincere way where you are telling the truth is very important because people buy emotionally, you know, and reflecting the changing the technical into the emotional. So no more seer ratings and over technical jargon. It's, you know, this is the effect the system has on your family to keep them healthy and safe type of thing. So I think the basics of that, because once you change that, it, it completely changes an entire company, the revenue, the happiness of the employees working there, they start to love their jobs because at the end of an appointment there, I remember when I started doing it at the end of every appointment, I was laughing, drinking coffee on the couch with my clients. And I had the best, I loved my job. I had started loving people when I started connecting with them in this way. So I hear that a lot from technicians all around America where they get emotional when, seriously, when they talk about their job and the people that they meet. So it becomes something a lot more than money. You know? Yeah, because when money is, you know, when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about the money, you're thinking about, you know, how much the job's worth, you're missing, you're missing the point. And ultimately, customer knows what you're there for. They know if you're, if you're there to charge them a bunch of money that you shouldn't be. They can sense the incongruency in your body language. They can sense the incongruency in your tonality. And maybe they don't know that, that they can pick up on those things. In fact, most people don't know that they're picking up on those things. They just know you're not their person, right? They don't really totally. know why. Right. And so it's not selling. It's interesting because when I think when people think about sales, they do think about the slime ball car salesman or the slime ball car salesman. Right. I don't even really think that most car salespeople are slime balls. I just think that's the adage that has been played in people's mind for so long that we have to fight against that that BS, which is part of the reason I love working with people in the trades because they experience the same stuff that salespeople experience, right? They experience, oh, it's just a plumber. Oh, it's just a whatever. Well, it's just a sales guy. It's the same thing, right? We get treated exactly the same. Totally. And so I can relate to, I can relate to that, which is why I love working with contractors. Anyway, I don't know. I got off on a little bit of a tangent there. That's perfect. Um, and it's spot on. It's, is it sales or is it service? It's like, this is just great service. Great service naturally turns into sales. You know, when you're focusing on the process, on serving those people, I'm a servant when I'm out there on the field to give them custom and relevant solutions for them and their family and giving them the freedom to choose and taking the time to get to know them 
and just being sincere and pure in my motives. And the result happened to be <laughs> a lot of money because <laughs> the service is so high. Yeah. That's right. And the intention, it, the intention is everything. And I think it's a lot of what we're talking about here. And it's not about really the truth of the matter is you really shouldn't have to sell the product or service. Once you get to the house, you do need to connect with the person. You do need to fit. And when I say connect with the person, let's be clear. Don't ask them, you know, what, how the weather is outside. That is not connecting with the person. That's exactly. a filler BS question that everybody knows is just yeah. a BS filler question. And so you can ask the sales question. So it's like a dead red flag if you ask a stupid question. So totally. maybe don't talk as much. Look around, observe, and figure out something that actually you can relate with and talk about that, right? And that's just one example. But go totally. ahead. Totally about their children, their family. That's the easiest one, because for me, as I really do care about that, that's something I know, that if somebody has a family, that's something that I care about. I care about the health and safety of their family, so it's really easy for me to find sincerity there, personally. So I go straight to that. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, taking the day off work to meet with me so that you can make sure that your family is safe and healthy. There should be more people like you out there. That's sincere. You say that to somebody, people have started crying. <laughs> I swear. People have started, because people don't talk to each other like that anymore. That's it's right. shocking to them that somebody would look them in the eyes, say that with all the sincerity, and make them feel good about themselves. Oh, thank you for appreciating me kind of thing and acknowledging that and actually listening to me. It's so sad how I could tell that's so rare for people in their lives. Whenever I do that, by, based on their reaction, I can tell how much they don't get that, you know, and that raises their self-esteem. People with high self-esteem pick better solutions for themselves and their family. That's a scientific fact is if I'm going to pick something cheap, it's because I don't feel like I deserve it, the premium one. But if I feel good about myself, it's like, yeah, you know what? We are a good family and I do work really hard. I deserve hospital grade air in my house. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's that simple. I totally agree. And I believe and it drives me absolutely nuts when I hear companies that won't, that don't use financing. Like that is, I think oh. that is the craziest thing. Right? You're, <laughs> like at the end of the day, you're literally, and I'm not saying this from a company standpoint, like you're, you're not providing a service for that customer that truthfully probably 75% of them are going to take. Yep. And that's why your close rates at 30%, 20% cuz you can only reach 20% of people with the options that you have. It's not accessible to the masses. So how to increase your close rate is one you learn how to talk to different types of people. Not just the easy ones, but everybody, no matter what their culture, their background, whether they're in a trailer or a mansion, you care about all of them and give them all consistent service. And two, you offer financing and give them the opportunity to even have the possibility to get the job. Like you said, it's most people in America, they need payments on an investment like that. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. crazy. Still no financing. I'm a, it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. And what we hear is, well, I don't want to pay the finance fee. And I'm like, you're already paying credit card fees. What do you mean? Like, it, 
is it really that much? Wait a minute. You're making profit, right? You're making money on the job. So right. you really want to just say, screw the finance company and their fees so you don't make more money? That just it does not add up in my brain. Also, increase the price if you're offering more service. That's okay. If you're offering, that is a service that you started offering at your company to your clients. That's what price is based off of, is value of service, right? If you have 24-7 service now when you didn't before, you raise your prices to meet up to the labor that it takes to do that. that. That's totally okay. That's totally ethical to do. You just pay for it. The client pays for the service to have the payments. Attention contractors of the successful life podcast. Want to supercharge your business decisions? We've got something just for you. Head over to our website, successfullifepodcast.com and click on the free download button to grab your copy of warning when hiring a leadership coach. Equip yourself with the insights you need to make informed decisions for your business. Don't miss out. And they're happy to pay for good service because they know the good service. They don't have to worry about that. It's just like you you pay car insurance, so you don't have to worry about if you get into a wreck. Granted, most states make you pay it. But even if they didn't, most of us would have car insurance because we don't want to have to pay for our car if we wreck it. It's the same thing. It's a it's peace of mind. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely it is. A hundred percent. And time. All right. So I want you to walk me through one of the things that I want you to walk me through is your call by call process. Like <laughs> uh, here's what I want to understand. I want to understand how it works in the house. Walk, walk me through. Okay, so you've got a comfort advisor. He has a group of technicians under him underneath him that hopefully are working well together. How does that look? When the technician gets to the house, and at what point do you pipe in through, I'm assuming Zoom? How does that work? Can you walk me through that? Yep. Great question. I like this question because it's the perspective of when they're in the house, which is what I don't get asked that a lot, but it's an important question to picture what it's going to look like. So the technician goes in the home and in the technician's and the customer's point of view, it's just like normal, right? He's going through his, his process, asking his questions, doing his diagnosis, most importantly, building his relationship, spending the time with that client, right? And this whole time, a call-by-call manager, a call-by-call coach, a quality control manager, everyone has a different name that they want to use, but whatever, is on the back end, right? Actually in and on, let's say Service Titan, for example, just because that's a good example, because that's the best I've seen and how to use it, because you could watch everything happen in real time on there. So one is the technician is checking in with the quality control manager. They know on their list of calls with all these technicians, which ones are like most likely to be turnovers, right? So he's prepared for that in advance. Also, they're communicating with him throughout the call to update the quality control manager. So when it gets to the point of offering solutions, repair solutions, is when you would find out it's a turnover or not. So our process specifically is the client, the whole point of it is with the technician, they get a lot of commitments on replacement before they turn it over. It's not, I just want to see some options. I don't know. 
it's not that it's they're saying no to the repairs and actually when i was doing it they were saying yes to replacement before they saw the options yes i want to go ahead and replace it when can we get it done well whoa well let's look at the options first and make sure that we have something <laughs> we're almost like slowing them down right that's why i believe in process because when they communicate in a certain way that is the result scientifically psychologically they're selling themselves, right? We're not trying to convince them to do anything. So when it comes for the turnover, he builds more scarcity, calls in the call and says, hey, I know you're really busy, but I have this client here, you know, Corey, and oh my gosh, he's such a cool guy. They do a, a magic moment right there, you know, while they're introducing them. It's so beautiful. I love this process. And then they, once they agree to it, we hop on Zoom and I do a Zoom presentation of the options while the tech technician is sitting there still with the client because they're the one that built the most rapport they need to be there the entire time and you know what's funny is what happens when the technician does it right i know if they did it right or not when they look over to the client looks over to the technician and asks them which one should i choose <laughs> yes. it was consistent like my best guys with, that I knew were tight on the process and he's best for you and your family because we're at the, we're not pick the premium. No, whatever's best for you and your family, you know, what's best for you and your family. You know what I mean? Statistically, they're going to pick mid plus or premium. That's just the statistics of what they usually pick with this sort of process. And so the, basically the point of this process is two things. One is you are a sales coach to a group of technicians. It's not enough to anymore. This is the past. We have technology. We don't need to, oh, this guy isn't doing the process or he's doing something wrong on his option sheets. Let's hold a training next week. That's how it is now. With call by call, it's no, we're correcting it and we're training while you're building them before they're even shown to the client to eliminate the possibility of the job being done wrong in the first place. It's better service for the technicians and for the company and for the client because it's faster and more efficient. If they're not spending hours longer waiting for that comfort advisor to come out. And then the other thing, it's scalable. So I can close five to six calls a day. More, you know, is I can do that all day. If I'm going out to each individual house, I usually did, you know, three or four calls a day type of thing. It would take a really long time. So one, better communication with the team, uh, instant and constant sales training, and scalable process to where you can close a lot of different calls every day. It'd save on gas and overhead. It's one of my favorite processes for sure. So you have that. That was great explanation by the way okay i was right, hoping so i was you, like you get yeah no you did great you did great so essentially you this is what one of the things that drives me the most nuts is i know and i don't know the exact percentage but you might of what i'm going to say it's probably 70 percent that once that service technician the way it used to be once that service technician left the house and there's a two a three a four or five hour gap between the selling technician to getting there to get there, I'm pretty sure it's around a seventy percent chance that you're not going to sell that customer. Oh, once that yeah. technician leaves, so it yeah. always bothered me. That process always it is the most backwards thing to me I've ever seen. 
I, I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't. You mean and the I guess it, Correct. Like okay. what you're telling me, it makes so much sense, right? It, right. I, it, I can't believe that everybody's not doing this, but Sarah. I don't know why. I don't know why. I know here. why. It's been secret. To be fair, this has been a process that has been mastered by some of the most respected companies in the trades, right? It's something, though, that has been always very mysterious to people. There's not a lot of content and training about it because I think that, you know, maybe it's we're just secret. Is This is our thing that we like to do that we scaled with. But th- I, I mean, thank God the culture now in the trades is about sharing. You know, it's about this works for us and there's enough for everybody. So here you go. And so we're starting to see that a lot more now, I think, in the last couple of years, which is why people know about it. That makes sense. So let me ask you this. I want to go back quick. quick. So when the service technician, do they always jump on Zoom most of the time? The quality control manager, the call by call manager. Yeah. With the customer. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is essentially the goal to get to, but some people start out with how I started out. I was still doing it in person. I just basically, we had a performance group and I had better communication with the technicians or I go with them on the whole call. If I don't have any calls myself, if it's slow season, I'm never not at a call and riding in the truck with a technician. There's no excuse. I should not be sitting around in my truck or at the office. I got told off by Joe with that. I was like, I don't, they're not giving me any calls. And it's so slow. And he's like, get off your ass. Why aren't you, there's clients. So nobody on your team is on an appointment right now. And he had me go to every single call throughout the whole day, late at night. I mean, with the technicians to be a real part of the team, give real service to them. It's crazy. And let me ask you the side, the byproduct of that is you built an unbelievable relationship with every technician that you rode with. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, it's where I, anything I needed, that's a leader too, is that's what I learned about leadership because you got to think about, I was a 20 year old woman. <laughs> running the team of technicians in my first year of HVAC. Like I had to earn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So they're like, who do you think you are telling us what to do is, you know, all those processes. That's the reason why I earned my respect to them to where it came to a point where I could tell them anything that I needed. And they're like, yes, sir. I mean, they're like little soldiers kind of thing. So, and there was no issues with culture or getting them to do what I really needed them to do because I learned how to communicate and be a true leader and do everything I'm asking them to do and realize that leadership is I'm a servant to these guys. I'm here to service them. I'm here to, you know, make sure that they do the best they can. Any mistakes they make is my responsibility and it's on me. That is what I learned about leadership from Joe. And that is, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So also it gives you the opportunity to really listen to what they're saying about, it doesn't even have to do with work, right? In fact, that's where you really win that person over a confident person in you is by taking the time and listening to whatever maybe they have going on. And maybe you don't care. Maybe you could care less what it is. It doesn't matter. But as long as you're listening and you're paying attention and you're responding accordingly, lots of times people just 
want somebody to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, because it gets shut down, you know, they don't, they're, or they're scared to communicate the truth. I'm like, what's really going on? You know, what's really going on? You could talk to me, and they're open about it, and they feel comfortable. And because of that, I could also hold them more accountable, and they don't get offended or sensitive. They know, because they know my intentions are to help them, and that usually what they do, what I need them to do to help them, they benefit from it. It's always about that, you know? So that's what they start to build that trust because they have evidence that every time I'm like, hey, you know, we're going to do this because it's better service and just trust me on this. Just try it a couple times. That's all I'm asking. They try it. It works. It, you know, it, the proof of it working and then the more that happens, the more that they're coming up to me and asking me what to do. They're asking me for more training. They're but saying, we want to go to total immersion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet you also are the first to say, I made a mistake. Yes. Which is hard. I mean, that was really hard. <laughs> it is that hard. That was a really hard one. Because I'm not like naturally the most <laughs> humble person that's you know, so that it's the hardest part is yeah learning humility and leadership and be like you know what Ugh, you, you can't do that because I didn't train you correctly this is on me it was really hard to start doing that but the more I started to do it and the reactions I would get I was like it started to just make me feel really good and I enjoyed it but it's always very difficult at first. You and I both have had some similar experiences in our life that have prepared us to recognize these things, to recognize when, and I'll say for me, when my ego is taken over, when Corey wants to make the decision, or I want my outcome, or I will fill in the blank. And when that happens, and I'm not thinking about other people, things go sideways for me. Absolutely. And we learned, for me, I've had to learn a lot of hard lessons. I still learn hard lessons. But I'll tell you one thing that, that I am grateful for is for the ability to be able to recognize when things are my fault. And to, because it's not always been that way. It's not, I've not always taken responsibility. In fact, most of my life, I didn't take responsibility until about 13 and a half years <laughs> Go, yeah, right? specifically <laughs> 13 and a half years ago, right? yeah. yeah, and if it wasn't necessarily by choice, like it was a choice, but it wasn't a choice, right? Illusion of choice, you it's, it's this or, you know. Yeah, complete <laughs> This thing disaster. that's unthinkable, yeah. Yeah, you have to at a certain point. We already mentioned that you're eight years sober. So I, got, I want to ask you, I want to say again, that it's such a big deal. It gets to be a lesser of a big deal as the years rack up. But what... You know, can you just maybe take us through a little bit of that story? Because I know nothing about the story at all. So right. I'd love for you to take it. Whatever you're comfortable with sharing, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I definitely, I've shared a little bit about it. Like I, I did impulsively on stage at Profit Rocket because I really wanted them to understand the depth in what we do. It's not just, oh, I make a bunch of, no, this is, this is something very deep what we do. It seems like it's not surface level. And I just wanted them to know and tell the truth to them that, you know, like I've been homeless in my life. I've been a drug addict in my life. You know, I, I had terrible relationships with everybody I knew. 
I, and I was going to die at a certain point where my dad was planning my funeral. That, that's what happened. And that's important to know is people kept saying, you should share a little bit about that. And I was like, oh, it's just, it's dramatic and it's shocking. So I just feel weird. Oh, by the way, I was a drug addict for most of my life and I almost died. I was homeless. And then, you know, and then I found refuge in, in service, in spiritual practices, God for me personally, and in a complete lifestyle change, basically, just like what you talked about. It was, I had two choices is I'm going to die. And I've always been full of excuses and blaming everybody for all of my problems and I, it was almost like a spiritual experience in a way where I, all of a sudden something happened where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm either going to die or there's, I had hope for some reason that I could change my life because I met a couple of people that have done it. That's the only reason is my mom is the same way as me, right? She had been a, an alcoholic and drug addict her whole life and she went to jail and she left us, you know, at a young age and all of that. And she got sober and visited me and just and shared her experience with me about how she changed her entire life. And she's devoted her life to service and helping people and working and getting to society and all of those things. And I followed her footsteps, basically. I got a chance and I took the chance very seriously. Like my life depended on it and really have been doing that ever since for eight years straight without any vacations. It's a lot of hard work for me to stay diligent about what I do, which it's all self-development is no matter how tired I am is I just, I believe that service is the purpose of my life, especially when I'm out there, you know, not at work, not getting paid for it just to do it. That's how I've stayed sober. I could say that's the most important thing in how I've stayed sober is relationships with people and trying just to be as unselfish as I possibly can over the last eight years, you know? So it's hard. It's hard because it's so natural. It like naturally comes up selfishness, self-centeredness, fear is big you know, and I have to basically have faith that I just tell myself, hey, I've had proof and evidence in the past throughout the eight years that everything turns out okay, as long as I do the right thing, and I don't mess it up. (laughs) And I just think back to that. And then I'm like, okay, let's just keep going then. (laughs) And you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. So interesting. You said something interesting. You said, well, as long as we don't get in the way and as long as we don't try to control things. So I'll share, this is, a, I can't share a ton of detail about it, but you'll get the context of it. Let's just say over the last 35, 40 days, this shit I'm getting ready to tell you has happened. So I've been trying to get my daughter. She's not biologically my daughter, but I've raised her since she was four. So she's basically, she's my kid, right? And we got a call from EPS. Yep. And obviously I didn't have anything to do with me or I wouldn't be sitting here telling you that probably. So anyway, it has something to do with her, her biological dad. 
And I can't get into too much of it because it gets into slander and all that shit and whatever. Sure. But here's the point of me bringing that up is that I've tried to, to, and the word control is, well, control is appropriate in this situation. Not control like control every move of somebody. That's not the control I'm talking about. Just trying to get things to fit the way I need them to fit or the way I think they need to fit. So they turn out the way they need to turn out later in life. My daughter I'm talking about here, right? In other words, like discipline, so on and so forth. And it's been challenging. And the reason it's been challenging is because I got away from the relationships that you and I just talked about. I got away from that place that you and I, where we got sober. And until these, there was a slew of other things that happened in the midst of all of this garbage with him. And so a lot of stuff has been uncovered. And the reason it's been uncovered is because I finally, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And so... I, I literally didn't have any other choice than just to ask God to fix it, to ask yeah. God to show my wife the things that I needed her to see so I could not think I'm losing my mind because it's felt like I've been also have ADHD. So there, sometimes, there are lots of times, Shred, that I can see five or six steps ahead. Lots yeah. of times, and this is why I'm really good at what I do, because I know when you're getting ready to make a dumb mistake, right? I just know, I may not be able to tell you exactly how you're getting ready to make it, but I know if you make this move, it's going to go sideways. If you make this right. move, it's going to go right. Yeah, and so, it's a damn experience. Uh, absolutely, right? Yeah. And it's, you can't, you can't teach that. You can't teach experience. And exactly. Not a, right. So, so I had to just, Thank God that I got back into where our relationships are, the relationships that we're talking about, because it has given me a it's given me a new outlook on how to go about things, because I've been playing God yeah. and my way doesn't work. You would think I would know that by now, but <laughs> clearly not. I'm always back and forth on it, too. That's, that's why it's work. I mean, it's real work. It's not just, I've decided this and it's like this forever. It's on a daily basis. I have to ask myself certain questions, like how important is this life to me? And how much work am I going to put into keeping it is the reality is, would I be willing to give away all of the things that this life has given me? in order to keep it actually has to be the question for me. Cause sure. That's not the case. It's, you know, it's not the case. I don't have to give up my career, my car, all my nice things that I got, you know, all the cool stuff. But if it came down to it, I would in a heartbeat, I would in a heartbeat. <laughs> and anytime that the question is no, I wouldn't, there's a problem is my motives aren't right. I probably don't feel very good. I don't quite like people that much in that moment, you know, this, and I'm ungrateful for everything that I've gotten. And there's no poison, like, un, like ingratitude. Um, for right. things. It's poison. And that's what anytime I feel bad or anything, or I'm frustrated, it's, I'm ungrateful. I'm just, I'm really, it, sometimes it's very, it goes down to very simple things. Like you said, it's, well, you just, I just got to trust God right now. That's it. Let it go and trust God because this is not something that I can manage. There's a lot of things I can do and I take action when I can and when I should and the rest of it, I have to 
you know, trust that something bigger than me is going to take care of it. And whatever way that it does that is the right thing. It's, yes. it's, that's hard. That's real faith. Because you don't know and, what it's going to be. <laughs> and that's the thing, though. And, it's, and that's just it, right? For people like you and me, we want to know the end result yesterday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? That's why I love processes and <laughs> operations so much. Because they're all like formulas where if you do this, you get this result. It makes me feel so safe inside. I'm like, ah, it's always the same. No matter right. what, where your company is, what kind of people you no seriously, it's almost like insane that I see all these different companies from these different places that they all think they're different. <laughs> we're of different. Here's do. why. <laughs> and we're different than human psychology and science, right? <laughs> and as soon as it's implemented, it's like, surprise, it's the same as, <laughs> as everyone else. And there's a lot of comfort in that. I think that's a big reason why I like it. It's so predictable. You know, I think, yeah, I think a lot of the reason that people stay in the same doing the same shit over and over is because and I'm sure you'll agree with this. A lot of the people that we work with are our clients. Their dad handed their business down or their grandpa handed their business down and grandpa told dad, this is how we do shit. Dad told you this is how we do shit. And you're still doing shit. Grandpa did. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's how granddad did it. Granddad's been gone, dude. He's 150 years old. Right. And that might have worked back in the day, one. And two, if anything, back in the day, probably the service was even better. Like, maybe. I don't know that. Probably. But I, I could imagine that back in the day, two generations ago, it was, you know, with hospitality and kindness, no cell phones no social media, you know, maybe service was 10 times better than the grandparents' generation. Zero doubt it was 10 times better. I never thought Look, about that before. Interesting. Well, so, I, you know, I don't know how old you are, nor am I asking, but so I'll be 45 years old in March. And like, I, I'm not that old. At least I don't view myself as that old. But I no. remember, like, I grew up, also grew up in Mayberry. So that probably doesn't help this case. You, you may not even know what Mayberry, you know what I'm saying, Mayberry? Oh my God. So it's not the Andy you ever heard of the Andy Griffith show? Yeah, yeah. That's Mayberry. Oh, okay. That's where you're from? That, that's where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, why did I say that? Why did I tell you that? What would I just say before that? ADHD, sometimes that happens. What was I just saying before <laughs> that? We were talking about service and where you grew up. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so there was like a little convenience store, right? At the corner. And like, we would go in there and, you know, talk to the owner and hang out. Yeah. It was exactly like you would picture it was 35 years ago. Like, totally. you know, there was a credit, like people had credit cards, but like the store would just say, oh, you don't have the money. Yeah, just get us something when you come back. You just pay we when know you come your back. parents and we yeah. know your family and we see you every day. And yeah, it's the antisocial nature today is why, I mean, programs like ours exist is like people don't know how to talk to people. People don't know how to display and express emotion is terrifying to them. That's what we teach people to do. And it's funny, once they do that, it changes their life. 
I've seen people cry when they graduate total immersion because it's much deeper than that and they don't even know it. It's not just about HVAC and talking to clients. It's a lot deeper than that. It's how you talk to your wife, your children, your family, you know, how you communicate with them and let them know that and reassure them that you love them and you care for them and here's why and how could I be of service of you to you and how could I actually listen to you when I get home? These moments, these relationships make up their life right? The most important people in their lives. That's why people cry because they realize that, oh my gosh, this is how I should be talking to my wife. And then they start to think about the ways that they talk about their wife now or talk to their wife now. And maybe they ignore half the stuff she says and they're on their phone for three hours when they get home and they haven't seen her because they've been working three days straight. That's a reality. And I relate to that too. That's how I know. <laughs> well, I relate guess to that. What? If you don't have somebody at home that can help you, you can't work three days straight. So that's like your biggest team member should yes. be that who if you want to call partner, wife, whatever it is. Totally. Look, I couldn't do the things that I do without my wife. And I know most business owners couldn't do the things they do without their wife. Exactly. Um, I have a question. So I, I wonder if part of that reason when you just said that, you said they realize when they graduate, they realize these things and these things are clicking. I wonder if it's also because this is the first time that they've ever invested in themselves. And maybe that investment in themselves has maybe gained some value in their own mind. That is, yeah, that's perfect because we do have people, technicians that pay out of pocket to go to the training. A lot that are that committed, they, my coworker, the introduction I had, he paid out of pocket three times to go to three separate Joe Crisera trainings and he made large investments from his personal. And if anything, that's even better than the company paying for it because of what you said is they're going to use it. They're going to savor every moment of that because they made the investment in it themselves. So they're committed to it. It's not some free ride that they get, you know, that they're going to take advantage or take for granted. But if they pay for it, they're more likely they outperform everybody in the class when they pay for it. So that's funny you said that because we've talked about that a lot. It's really true. Think about the kid that gets a full ride scholarship. And I don't mean every kid to college. Or the kid that busts his ass or her ass and make and goes through school and they have to pay for it themselves. It's a different person coming out of that. College. Oh my gosh. And you know, there's so many books on this. Like even like the classic where I learned this for the first time was thinking grow rich. This blew my mind when he talked about how this is just from his words, not a quote, but how, you know, rich kids have a disadvantage in the market. That is a handicap. And I'm like reading it like, what are you talking? You know, I was like, what is this bull, right? (laughs) And I continue, oh my God, business is supply and demand, right? You need to know what people need and they want. But if you never needed or wanted anything in your life and you're disconnected from society because you're sheltered, you don't need or want, you have everything you could ever want or need. You can't understand business the same way that people that are a part of that group 
They right. know what people need or want, and that's why. And it's an advantage to to be someone that is needed and wanted, you know, and starved. Like, that is an advantage. Even on Shark Tank, some of the billionaires on there, they won't invest in people that grew up a little too privileged. They, I heard them talk about that recently, too, and say the same perspective of because, you know, they think that they might know everything and they didn't put the elbow grease into it. There needs to be humility if I'm going to work with somebody that's willing to learn and puts the work in, but doesn't throw money at the problems type of thing. So, I mean, a little, it's just, you know, what I've read and it's helped me through not feeling bad for myself if I wasn't set up a certain way. So I think it's a positive thing for people like that, that, oh, well, I didn't get this. That's why I'm not there. I didn't get help. That's why I'm not more successful. But if I had it, I would be way more successful. That mindset is poison. Once again, it's absolute poison and it's bull. It's just not true. It's not true. And, you know, you can't believe everything you think. Right? That's, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Literally dangerous. Literally. It really is. I mean, if you think about it, I'll just take a simple example depending on, I don't watch the news, but depending on if you do watch the news or which channel you're watching will depend on how you're thinking, right? And that's the point of the news. It's not to inform you. It's so you'll be informed. Fear-based thinking. Yeah. Fear-based, poison, worst thing, fear-based thinking. All of those things will happen. Like, I, I mean, I swear my mom is, I have an example of this in my life. My mom is the most fearless person I've ever met, almost to an extreme where it's scary, (laughs) and that's how I see her oh my gosh right my dad is very overly fear fearful person you know is like always oh my god what if I get cancer what if you get cancer ah yeah that sort of thing so I've watched them my whole life and I feel like you know my mom nothing ever happens to her nobody you know she's almost careless And nothing ever happens to her, though, that it matters because she just doesn't think about it, which sounds silly. Look at the shit we've done. Look at what we've done. Yeah, but Uh, we've been fearless. Right, but we've done. I've done extremely fearless shit that I definitely should. (laughs) Right, like our fearless stuff is pales in comparison to what like normal people don't really know what like stuff that we've gone through. Yeah, for legal reasons, I'm not going to talk about it on the show. 100%. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. But I will tell you a really funny story. All right. So, and I don't know these two. I know them now, but all right. So I was in Vegas. This is one of the craziest stories that I had during my craziness. I moved out to That's Vegas with a bunch of cocaine, right? Yeah. I got out to Vegas. I went out on a train and I met, the, I went out on a train. It took me five days to get there, which was the most ridiculous thing ever. I get out there and I meet this guy from the East Coast and he bring, he, he asked me if I want to do a line with him. So I said, yeah, of course. Well, it was crystal meth. And I, dude, I, I didn't do crystal yeah. meth. I didn't know. I didn't know. It That's almost ate my face off. Right. Yeah. So as let's just call it two weeks later, I'm sitting on the couch in this guy's apartment. I live downstairs with these two people. I didn't even know. Right. I was just a bum really. At that point, not a bum. I got kicked out of the house I was in because of the drugs, but to be truthful. Right. So I'm sitting on the couch with these two guys. One of them name is Stormy and the other guy's name is Ed. They know each other from a maximum security prison. All right. I am from Mayberry and I dress exactly like I do today. Like 
I did not fit in at all in that scenario. Right. So we're sitting there and both of these guys are on each side and we're watching the news and both these dudes come up on the five o'clock news. They had robbed a casino the night before. I can't imagine what my face looked like. I think I did pretty good because I made it out alive. Yeah. They didn't say a word. They didn't yeah. say a thing about it. And I'm sitting there. I really don't know if I'm going to exit this place. And the guy, after they left, the guy said, yeah, I don't know how you're still sitting here. I said, me either, but I ain't going to be sitting here no more. I'm out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy. I've had the same story. I mean, in a different way. It, but the same setting, same. And then I realized, I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to leave. You know, that realization of with the drugs and the environment and the person that's in front of me. I'm like, I don't think that I'm going to, I'm going to die tonight basically well it's too much friction to try to get out right because you're hooked on drugs you're probably drinking you've got some probably some individual there that right but all those things crush you yeah Yeah, that's crazy it's i mean it makes sense if we're doing similar things we ended up in similar places with similar experiences because there is a it's a culture there's a like a whole culture around you know when you're doing drugs when you're drinking you end up with the same people in the same places even if they're states apart it's the same people in the same places and it's crazy the comparison of that to now i think about that every day of my eight years i make sure i do because i'll forget and i'll you know be entitled to this life but i in my morning routine is i sit there and my meditation is i remember what i used to be like I just sit there and it it seems like dark, but, and you should think about like sunflowers when you're meditating, (laughs) but I don't, I think about what I used to be like and the most times of my life. And then I, so, cause then when I go out in my car and I'm like, wow, look, my car, you know, look how nice it, oh my God, I have a car. I live in my own place. The smallest things blow my mind after I do that and I go throughout the day I walk in the office and my heart's full like with all the things I'm grateful for I just found it it works for me to think of the negative things in a way and for what it was like so I have a perspective shift when I look at my life today and wow how is this even possible kind of thing so I don't take it for granted that makes more sense to me than probably anybody you've ever told it to. I literally, I'm sitting here. She's exactly right. You don't remember <laughs> where you've, you don't remember a lot of those things. I don't go visit a lot of those times because not, I don't necessarily shut the door, but sort of, right. Yeah, you just yeah. want to just not think about all that garbage. Because it's terrible. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it it's understandable, understandable, but there is a positive outcome to it which is just like with anything, the most terrible stuff, that story, one, you could help a lot of people with going through stuff like that, you know, and you're uniquely qualified to do so and help people that maybe other people wouldn't understand stuff like that. Do you think maybe that's why you decided to open your mouth on stage? Yes, for sure. I just felt it. It was just, yeah, because then, of course, a lot of people walked up to me and told me a lot of stuff. It's like when I, as soon as I'm vulnerable and I open up, as much as I don't like to do it, I know that the effect is the people around me 
will open up to me and allow me to be of service to them and to help them, which is the only reason why I do it, honestly, because I hate doing it. I don't want to be seen as this weak-willed kind of person, especially as a woman in the trades. Like, I'm so, oh, no, like, nothing bothers me. I'm strong-willed person, so I don't love it. You know, just in case somebody might see me that way, if they know that I was a drug addict or an alcoholic, then, hey, that's their opinion. They're entitled to it. That's totally fine. But yeah, that that means that some people might say, oh, well, you know, she couldn't control herself. That's a weak-willed person. I think that's the fear behind not sharing it up till recently. My guess is the person that makes that statement is the exact person that needs to hear you. Yeah, the... Yeah, hearing the story helps. That's a good point. Is not the result, but like the story is like, yeah, if you grew up and you grow up in a household where that's what everyone does, it's what everyone does. That's what we all do. We all drink, we all do drugs for as long as I can remember. I mean, it's just, it's normal. It's the normal lifestyle ever. You only know you're a product of your environment and then you live that way. And then if you're lucky enough to get out, you better not take it for granted <laughs> like That's we're talking right. about because you can go right back. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, I didn't, I actually, we haven't really hit on the fact that you do work in an extremely male-dominated industry. So, <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe that, you know, maybe we should talk about that for a quick second because you're kind of a unicorn to a degree. I know some females that are in the trades, but I don't know a ton. So tell me, how do you navigate that? How did, you know, look, I understand, and this is going to sound completely sexist probably, but I don't give a shit. Go ahead. The best dispatch people are usually gay and they're they're hard as hell, right? You don't fit that picture at all, but that's the personality that needs to handle a group of technicians, but you're not that person. So help me understand how you... you, I'm just kidding. Well, I can say that. How do you know I'm not gay and hard as hell? Well, I I don't know if you're gay. I don't know about that part, but you don't look like the profile. Let me say that. (laughs) I suppose that is a very good point. I should have probably not said that because I don't know. I don't know which side of the fence you fall on. I have no idea. And it doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't care. But that made me so fucking uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. This is why I love this. I'll just like reflect it right back oh, on you. Oh my God. My face is so gay, red Corey. right now. Say I'm gay. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, just if you, it, Well, so really like you're, no, I said, it, and actually I know you know this. I said that quite the opposite. You're, you fit, you're totally opposite than the normal person that would be dealing with these people because you yeah. are pretty. You are, you look fairly young. Like, you, like right. I'm sure you've not, I'm sure you haven't gone through this situation with no terrible comments. Let me just say that. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's, first of all, I wasn't a dispatcher, but I know what you're saying about dispatch. I was a comfort advisor. Right. So, and, but I do, I totally understand what you're saying about certain types of personalities really fitting into certain job titles because there can't be a fear of communication and a job that is communication. You got to be, you know, (laughs) it's a communication job. So somebody that is not scared to tell it how it is and Hey, we need to do this to get this job done. Right. You with me? Let's go. Okay. Yeah. You can't move on to your next call. 
until you do it the right way. When it comes to women in the industry, something I learned recently that I didn't know is from like Leslie Harpole and Cassie Pound, they were talking about how there are a lot of women in the industry, but we don't know them. They're just not Facebookers. And I'm like, that actually makes sense. Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I, I have a handful of women that I follow and I look up to, but I wish there was more. And they're like, no, there's a lot more. <laughs> we just haven't introduced them yet. So that's why I'm excited for their podcast, because they're going to bring these women that they know, that nobody else knows, that run successful companies in the trades and introduce them to everybody, which I think is so cool. Because maybe we just, yeah, maybe we just don't know that they're out there because they're not social media people. That's it. I mean, look, if I wouldn't, if I could never post another Facebook post in my life, I'd be cool with that. So guess what? Oh, Most people yeah. we work with are a lot like us. I don't know about you, but are they a lot like me? So you're, that is such a fascinating point. I thought it was super because I was always on the, and my stand is, I talked about this on the last one is really, I just don't separate myself from people in the industry. I was in the car business, which is a male dominated industry. And then I went into HVAC. So it's just, it's always been the case, but really my, actually my whole family, they're all in the trades, women, women, pipe fitters, iron worker, owners of HVAC companies. It's in my blood to be fair, to be in the trades. It literally, I'm born to be in the trades. That's what I believe. So, and it was just normalized to me. It wasn't, we. it's not weird to get up in, ad, up in an attic or on a rooftop to, to do a job. That's not weird. Why does it make a difference that I'm a woman? They didn't put, implant that in my mind, my family. That's, I could give them the credit for that because I was set up for success for my family. They didn't tell me stuff like that, that, oh, you know, usually don't do stuff like that. You stay in the office, right? They were like, no, go get the wood chipper and, <laughs> and <laughs> throw the wood, go, and then they'd have me do stuff, you know, and the boys and the girls, we would always do the same stuff on the ranch. You know what I mean? So that, that's pretty much, I think why I grew up like that. So when I came in, it was just normal to me. And I wish that more women had the opportunity to grow up with that same mindset, but it's just not the truth because the world tells them that they belong in certain positions and they just don't know they have a choice to go that way. So I just like to spread the message of you have a choice and it means self-esteem, financial freedom for you. This is a job that makes you feel really good and powerful about yourself when you get it done. Like when I go up in the attic in the rooftop and they're looking at me like, holy shit. <laughs> and they're seeing what I'm doing. It makes me feel so good about myself when I do work like that, you know? And the guy that's like, you know what? I don't want a woman doing this work in my house. You need to go back <laughs> and send somebody else. All I do is I'm like, sir, I totally understand. Just let me do my job. And then if you don't like it, you can kick me out. But let me just get started. And I just like water off a duck's back. Like it, it can't. So you have customers. I, so you actually have customers. That, obviously you have customers that say that to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like, like I said, often, how I, would you say? I wouldn't say super often. I would say it's happened. I mean, three times in that year. And then the rest of the times they let me do it, but they're like rolling their eyes. Like it's a joke. And I really had to prove myself is like, I had to do the job better. Well, why'd they call you? Why'd they, why did they call you if they could do it well, themselves better than you? 
Oh, exactly. Yeah. And that's a part of the conversation. But I just I took the humility route. I laugh it off. I said, I know, right? But hey, let me right. And that's how I've gotten through this job, to be honest, is I if someone says a joke and it's maybe a little I mean, you know what? Maybe I'll just laugh at it and not take myself too seriously. To be honest, that's worked really well. Had people making some jokes on a picture of me speaking, like, oh, no wonder they're listening to her. Hey, you know, all that stuff. And I thought it was kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny, you know? I, I was like, it's stupid, but I'm like, haha. And then I move on with my day. There's a lot of power in that. And you can't change the way the world is. You have to adapt yourself to the way it is. That's the way it is. People are going to tease me a little bit. They're going to undermine me. I just focus on doing my job the best that I can and just prove them wrong from doing right, not get defensive, not make them feel bad either because they don't know what they don't know. They're not trying, usually they're not trying to be spiteful or mean. They just don't understand. So to have empathy, laugh, and that, move and on, it. prove them wrong. That's it. That's, it's it, a lot you know? of times the empathy is, you know, like, I feel bad that person is such an idiot. Now I don't say that to them, but I'm like, damn, dude, like it would suck to be that totally. stupid. It would. Totally. It would suck. It yeah. would suck. Like it would be way harder to go through. You just don't understand social cues and situations and how to talk to people. I get it. I, if anything. I've totally been like that in my life where I was the kind of person that I had no filter. I'd say anything I wanted to anybody. And it's, it was scary. (laughs) It's not appropriate. Not, it was like rough around the edges. Like I'll, (laughs) you know, cause I just grew up like that communicating that way. So it took a lot of unlearning. So I think that's why too, I just can't get that mad at them because that's a fascinating. That's a fascinating thing you said. I mean, it's odd that you'd say you would have to unlearn those, you know, that kind of let's call them behaviors because that's normally the opposite. So, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm a D personality. You're a D personality. We, you know, we communicate a very interesting way, and lots of times. If you're not a D personality, or even if you are a D personality, you may take us the wrong way. And totally. the intention was never there, but we just don't like a lot of shit. We just get straight to the point and just right. get it done. I don't need to answer 35 questions about it. If you just follow exactly oh, what I said so to do. funny right. you said that. I went on a rant about that yesterday. I'm like, because there's this book, actually. It's called Letters to Manny. And it's about being a soldier, a worker, right? And basically, I'm giving this letter to Manny. And you can tell the confidence by the worker, by what happens after you give that letter to them. Are they like, yes, sir? And they go and do it and figure it out? Or are they like, well, what's Manny's last name? What time do I have to do this? Do I have to do it now? What's the priority on this? It's a book about that. That shows, you know, immaturity in the way that you're able to work and produce if there's too many questions. It's like that, yes, sir, I'll figure it out. Right. (laughs) I think a lot of those questions, too, are fired at, you know, the right-hand man, the general manager, whoever the service, whoever's over the service technicians. And here's what I believe, and here's what 
I, my experience shows that person is putting out a lot of fires. That person is answering a whole bunch of got a minute questions that truthfully he doesn't even need to answer, but that's his full-time job is answering stupid ass questions. Was that the ultimate sales machine? Was that? (laughs) I love that book, but yeah, it's, Oh, got a minute. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) Yeah. I got five minutes or got a minute manager or whatever. Yeah. I think that is where I got that. Yeah. It's a got a minute. The got a minute meetings are, they take a, it's so such a, such bad time management. And I realized, oh my God, all my meetings are got a minute meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So here's an easy way to fix that. If you can't, what would you do if I wasn't here and shut the door? Right. Right. Yes. I want these people to have the gumption, the confidence and the confidence to, you know, complete the job right for that client, make an executive decision is that's what mostly what I do is it's like, this is the best thing. This is the best thing for the client. And if I even made a mistake, I'm willing to face the consequences. Sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it right so, now. <laughs> Just get it so, what, so why do you think most technicians, I know the answer to this, but I would love to hear what you think. Why do you think most technicians have a hard time making that executive decision? What do you really think the reason is? Ooh, when it comes to technicians... If you've got a guy that should be able to make this decision, but he never makes the decision, he always calls first. Why do you think he always calls first? When he, What is an example of what he's supposed to be doing? Because I believe that there's not much to make a decision on that a technician shouldn't have to because the process is tight and they should never be discounting anything. That's the only thing that they would have to be making a decision on is, can I discount this job? No, we don't discount. We don't right. do that. That's what I, that's just my automatic is I don't know what it'd be because there's a process that's followed in a specific way. An example might be, Hey, they don't know what job they want, but they know they want a job. What we do is schedule them for the economy option set and then collect the payment, schedule the job, get it on the calendar, and then set a second appointment to give them the option to upgrade the job. But even that, it's a part of the process, you know, we figured it out for them kind of thing. What do you think? I want to hear your feedback on that. I think that, I think some of it's fear, right? Because think about this. If I'm a technician, I make a bad decision or I make a wrong decision or it's perceived as a wrong decision. And maybe it's not the first time, maybe it's the second time, but both times I got my ass chewed, right? Both times they my the service man or whoever chewed my ass so now i'm not willing to go through that ass chewing anymore so i just rather i just rather ask you because you chewed my ass so that way whenever you tell me whatever it is i need to do i ain't got to worry about you chewing my ass anymore that's and it's a great really, answer and it really yeah. but it sucks the company's time massively it's a huge time suck and money suck because ultimately you're paying technicians to call in to ask stupid questions because that stupid GM doesn't want to do anything. I'm just using this as an example, right? I'm not calling. <laughs> yeah, GM like stupid. bad culture, which really what you're saying is it's bad culture. They don't feel like they can communicate with their leader because it's not a leader. It's a dictator. That's right. That's the difference. It's like, this is communist. I When I go into shops, the real, the truck talk, like the truth of what they're saying is, man, 
I feel like we're in communist Russia right now. That's what technicians are saying about their leaders. That's the truth at these companies. Yep. That's what they're, that, I mean, wow. That's how they feel. They're constantly, they have cameras on them all the time, right? Like, it's crazy. If they do anything, they get yelled at over the phone, you know, and the, the communication is most of it. Terrible culture. So, and I get it. Like I said, it's everyone has their side of that's how they communicate. They don't know better. They think shouting at people or that'll get them to do what they want them to do. But you know that's why? just looking for another job. Do you why? know why? Their parents or? <laughs> well, it could be it, but that's how that person, the owner, let's just pretend we're talking about the owner here and he screams at his people. It's because he doesn't learn until he gets screamed at. So he thinks everybody else learns. This is, and this is deep ass psychology, right? You got you know, 66% of the people are not like me, right? So if I'm trying to communicate with you and I'm assuming that you're a dominant, right? And let's just pretend for a second that you weren't, but I assume that then I talk to you in a dominant personality, in a dominant framework. Well, if you're, if you're like an I or a, or an IC, let's say that, because that's usually pretty conservative. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose you. And so all your technicians are not dominant people. Most of our owners are a thousand percent dominant. Most yeah. Yeah. And so it's understanding multiple types of personalities and being able to and that's sales. It's the same thing, right? Is what am I only gonna sell to drivers? Like what what would my closing rate be? Like twenty percent if I could only sell to drivers? Or do I need to learn how to communicate to high I's and high C's? Like you said, is it, I need to learn how to adapt myself to the world around me, not the other way around. Just because I talk like that, it doesn't mean it's okay for everybody. And, and I will do the extra work to make sure that they feel comfortable with the way that I communicate to them. You know, even if, it, oh, that's just the way I talk. I used to say that, oh, that's just me. I'm just myself. Like, no, I, maturing is changing myself to, to serve the people around me better. Because that's not really myself. That's just the way I talk. I mean, that's not taking away my soul. It's not that big of a deal. Like, I talk in a sharp way. Sometimes that makes people uncomfortable and they get intimidated and scared. I don't want people to feel that way about me. You know, so I'm going to change that and try to soften up my approach to them and get better relationships with people. It's very simple. I think that's just like the mature thing to do is not we'll deal with it. Everyone should learn how to deal with the way that I am and cater to me. <laughs> Selfish. Never going to get anywhere doing that. Right. It's not a good plan. Right. It's just not. This has been a killer conversation. I, yeah, like, this has been fun. I forgot we were doing a few <laughs> It has been like an hour and 13 minutes. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, I swear. I literally forgot that we were doing it. I thought we were on a Zoom meeting right now. And we're just, I don't know. That was great, Ben. Yeah. Well, we're still That's on. the goal. Forget it's a podcast. Yeah, so <laughs> well, before we end the podcast, <laughs> what? <laughs> Here's what's cool about this. Listen, like, kid you not, what's cool about this is that you just said that. And it just shows that we are literally just having a normal conversation. This conversation would have been any different if we hadn't have been recording. It would have been no different. 
exactly because it's just yeah. it's natural and it's the truth it's just these this is the truth that's all you can go based off of yeah it's yeah. not trying to look good or trying to look a certain way it's like this is just the truth because if anything mistakes help people more than successes so why not just 100%. why not talk about cocaine vegas <laughs> Right. We've got it all over the board here. Casino well, um, robbers. Oh my God. Well, Shreya, look, do me a favor. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, I don't care. Tell them whatever all your information. Okay, sure. So I actually give out my cell phone on publicly. So that is area code 408-219-4322. Also, you can always reach out to me on Facebook. This is my name. Last name is Naguani. It's N and you'll see it. You put in my name, you'll see my Facebook and reach out to me anytime. If you want to talk about anything, I just love making friends with people and connecting with people in the industry. So if you want to have a conversation like me and Corey just did, I'd be happy to have a, an hour and 15 minute conversation with you like this. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for having me on and making this so fun for me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.